Boys play Season 2, Episode 8. We're almost at the end of the season now. My name is Ruben, I'm your host for this episode, and I'm joined, as always, by Mark. Hello! And the incomparable Anne Lou. Hi, thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure, I've been really looking forward to this one. (laughs) (laughs) Um... But yes, look, why, why don't we just jump in to some juicy news because our good friends are going to be coming back up again in this episode because they've done more stupid shit. Um, so, but starting with some nicer news, there has been a massive influx of small Nintendo bits, uh, beginning with updates to Mario Golf, adding ranked matches, Toadette, a new course and improved motion controls, apparently. I don't play the game, so I don't care. No, me neither. Never played it. Um, from what I've read, people have said New Donk course is probably the most interesting course in the whole game. So it's nice that they've added something entertaining. Yeah, and it makes sense that they've added New Donk because obviously New Donk City is like the centerpiece of Mario Odyssey. Course. Thank you. I was like, what the fuck is the Switch one called? Mario Odyssey, yeah. Um yeah, so it makes sense that they've that, that they've made that little tie in there. And you know, who doesn't love Toadette? I don't. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. And Lou doesn't like Toadette. And Lou doesn't. Fair enough. I mean, it was sarcasm <laughs> on my point, but good. Um... <laughs> <laughs> We're in agreement. Uh, it is nice, though, that uh, Nintendo are continuing to give away those kinds of like little content updates for their games for free. Because uh, they could quite easily like be charging an extra tenner for this as DLC, and most other developers would. Yeah. Um, although, speaking of which, whilst we're on that topic, um, Pokemon Snap has also had a little free update as well, adding more Pokemon. I presume. I don't. I. I've not I have not touched this at all. I believe it's added. Uh, some new Pokemon and a new area of the island to explore in the the little train buggy thing that you'd ride around on. <laughs> I mean, that's cool, right? Like yeah. I did that. Yeah, apparently, uh, from what I've seen in the video, you there's, there's a there's a version where you can make your make your thing miniature and you can kind of take photos of smaller Pokemon looking giant, which is quite cool. I like that. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun little addition for a, a nice little game. And a game which did well, I think. Yeah, I mean, if Twitter is to be believed, but that could well just be the, the circles that I follow on Twitter. <laughs> what, all of the Nintendo Switch players that you have on your Twitter? Yes. Well, Nintendo Switch gays, I think, in particular. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then me. <laughs> <laughs> How much of a culture shock I must be for your Twitter feed. Um as well as that, Darksiders 3 is coming to Switch. That was announced very, very recently, wasn't it? In fact, that was announced uh, today as of the day of recording, which is Monday, uh, a bit later than usual. Um, not sure about that one. I mean, I it was know, a, a, originally a PS4, Xbox One game, right? So probably will be on a par with other games of that 
generation on Switch. So not great. So yeah, it will kind of work, but will it will be a you know a balance between do you want a version of it you can play portably or do you want the best version of this game? Because it's and not going to be both on Switch. No, very rarely is at least. I mean, there's a few examples I can think of, but not many. Um, I mean, we have had the slightly negative news from Nintendo, not that it's actually going to make a difference, that their profits are down year on year as well. Yeah, also true. Um, But I think when you think about what globally we've been through over the past year and a half, and the, I guess, unforeseen combination of us going into a pandemic and lockdown and Nintendo releasing Animal Crossing at exactly the same time (laughs) created just this huge uh, sales boom for Nintendo um, that it's not surprising they haven't repeated that this year, in all honesty. I definitely agree, yeah. Um. I mean, Anlu, you might have more of an insider knowledge on this sort of thing than I do. Um, but also it might be the case that Nintendo are behind with where they would want to be with terms of releases by now simply because of the pandemic. I think it's definitely had an impact on development based on the products I've seen internally at Square. Um, but also Square published their, whether the last three months financial results t- last week, um, and they were a bit down as well. So I agree that like at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody in the games industry sort of got a big of a bit of a boost in terms of their sales, right? Because everybody was locked up. But now things are changing. And so uh, I think it looks like a downward curve when actually everything is pretty okay. Um, it's, it's probably more a return to normal than... You yeah. saw last year you in can't, terms of sales levels. Yeah, you can't possibly, you know, keep on building on on what happened last year. Plus, um, a, quite a few people um, have lost their jobs, and in the beginning, they may have had jobs and or you know been on furlough or, or equivalent schemes all over the world, and now that's shutting down. So they're like, hey, how about I, you know, don't spend as much money just now. Um, that might also have an impact. There's more unemployment going on. Yeah, I didn't even factor in unemployment, actually. It's a very good reason why that would be affected. Obviously, I haven't like been reading the Financial Times or anything, because that's really not me. <laughs> um, but I'm just thinking about people I know who, you know, once you've been unemployed for a while and it's really hard to get a job at the moment with... The situation then is are video games where you're going to be spending your money immediately? I'm not, you know, some people will, but not everyone. Yeah, I mean, you, you both know I went, I've, I've been through that, and like my the, the amount of games that I would have normally bought over the last few months has decreased quite significantly just because I've not had the money to do so. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a very real, it's a very real problem. And one that's not going to go away for quite some time. Yeah. So um, I don't think we should be too worried about Nintendo. Oh no, Nintendo are fine. 
let's put it like maybe <laughs> year on year, but I think they'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they, the profits might be down, but they're still profits. <laughs> yeah. Um, plus also Nintendo World, plus also opening the Nintendo World thing in America as well. Like, they've they've got money. They're, they're mm-hmm. fine. They're all right. They're not like some small indie running out of the garage of some person's house. Yeah. Definitely. However, let's not worry. No, no, they'll be they'll, they'll be fine. The games industry, as large, will be fine regardless. Yeah, for sure. Um, but Nintendo also misstepped recently in their complete and utter disregard of Metroid's thirty fifth. Oh. Right, I see what you mean. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me that, like, the president had been, as you know, sexual harassment had reached Nintendo, and I was like, that's that would be shaking the industry to its core. I don't know. We'll get to sexual harassment in a moment. Yes. <laughs> Th- thankfully, so far, touch wood, it's not affected Nintendo, but. <laughs> But yes, there has been very little acknowledgement from Nintendo on Metroid's 35th anniversary. I mean, we did get a trailer that came out on the the date of the 35th, which was something, but no actual acknowledgement of the fact that it was the 35th. Well, that sounds like acknowledgement to me. It was a good trailer, though. It was a very good trailer, yes. When was this, exactly? Uh, Friday last week, I believe. Friday. It's just based on what I, you know, conversations that we've had with Nintendo, and I know my colleagues in the US had with um, NOA. Their priority is Skyward Sword, pretty much nothing else. Well, yeah. It's Zelda. It's always good. Like, this podcast will actually. Like, if you go back and listen through this podcast, the amount of love from the variety of people we've had on here for Zelda. Zelda's mm. always going to be one of the bigger draws for that company. Yeah. I mean, that being said, and, you know, whilst they only acknowledged the 30th anniversary through the fact that they dropped a trailer, um, I don't think I've ever, you know, I've, I've not seen as much push for Metroid from Nintendo as I have for Metroid Dread. True. True, true. There's there's been a lot, which is nice to see as a fan of the the, the franchise. Yep, I mean part part of that is perhaps because there's only really been one other Metroid release in the age of social media. But you know, <laughs> that's a sad statement. That is. that is also a very sad statement. <laughs> wait, wait, wasn't wasn't other M just about in the age of social Whoa, media? Oh, I mean, it was kind of at the. Yeah, it was very early on, though, wasn't it? Like and social media would not have saved that game. No, no, <laughs> social media would not have saved that game. Oh, my God. But, yeah, I mean, I I did my own thing for Metroid 35th. Like, I'm sure, Mark, you played through the entire series as it currently stands on the day. Um which is what you do on an average evening, from what I've heard. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, you know, I did enjoy watching you stream a bit of Super Metroid on uh, on Sunday. That was was it Sunday? No, Friday. It no, was it's Friday. Friday wasn't it? It's the day. Yes. Yeah. No. Yes, I did watch you stream a bit of that, which was nice to see. 
but yeah i mean we had a conversation like i think it was when we went out for dinner on saturday um about this and like i i don't i, I agree with you with what you said then that we shouldn't expect anniversaries for metroid to be celebrated generally speaking or all of nintendo's franchises otherwise it would just never end yeah yeah not yeah not on the fifth not on the not on the fifth maybe on every 10th but not every fifth because yeah you would just you'd get anniversary celebration fatigue from nintendo because it would just be constant (laughs) there would always be something that would be celebrating its fifth anniversary please stop celebrating it's too much (laughs) but but just saying their profits were down they'd have released metroid prime trilogy (laughs) (laughs) i am sure they are saving that for a rainy day well let's send an email I think it's a also you know we we know metroid red is coming like right at the start of october there's no way they're going to release another metroid game that close to a major new release of the franchise no or this year even i don't think no 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 there's no way they're gonna they're, they're gonna bookend two big releases like that in the same franchise so close together mm. But right, okay, let's deal with the shit in the industry, shall we? Because I've I've bunched it all together, because why not? Because fucking Activision Blizzard. We covered this extensively last episode, and there has been more stuff (laughs) since. My God. Some of it positive, granted. um, But, well, positive for the situation. Um, So for anyone who does, like... We're not going to cover everything that Activision Blizzard or Blizzard specifically have done again, because... I mean, that would be like an entire episode plus, because... Yeah, because we we, we honestly could devote a, an unnatural amount of time to this and still not cover it all. But like, the big things that have occurred since the last episode was the walkout, mm-hmm. which... Let's just talk about that. That was a great, great thing. Yeah, I was really impressed with that, especially because in the US they don't have a lot of um, protection for their jobs, right? So they're making genuinely a really bold statement. And and it's great to see just, you know, as... as Am I right in thinking that they've announced a second one as well? I, I may have like read an old article but i thought i read somewhere that there was going to be a second um walkout or strike um as a further uh pushback against the response which is good um but it's interesting because you know activision blizzard gate almost said okay you can do this walkout and it's not going to affect anything but it'll be interesting to see how how far they'll allow that to be pushed well they have um as a company they have got in wilma hale so that doesn't exactly you know speak um speak to a company that's looking to resolve everything no instead of push it underneath the rug because wilma hale only really are known for one thing as lawyers and that's crushing unions mm-hmm. and it's it's so so obvious that that's what they've hired Wilma Hale for to yes. stop any sort of possible union unions unionization I'll get that word out um before it starts that's tragic really 
it's the games industry also sadly no i know but like it's it's just disgusting isn't it those people are saying like hey how about you treat us like human beings and one of the biggest companies in the world went "Mm, nah mate sorry don't really feel like it yeah um and they are trying they're, they're already doing they're already doing the thing that all of us knew they would do they're already doing the oh but look at these games like they're already trying the uh, the, the thing that's worked very well for quantic dream and it's and it's worked for ubisoft with their allegations and it's and it worked for it, riot games just they've just announced they've just gone here's a new thing and hoping that distracts people they've already started trying to do that and the good thing about this walkout receiving so much coverage not just from well this cover this walkout and the situation not just from games media but from the media in general means this is a lot harder to push aside than i think activision blizzard want it to be for sure but those things are so hard you know like everybody who read the activision news was if you're a normal human being kind of disgusted by the thing however there's so many people who either don't care or haven't even seen it you know like 12 year olds who play um what world of warcraft or whatever else have not all of them have seen this but they'll mm. just keep on buying and they have such a huge player base that they just keep on drowning in cash really it's there's like no actual consequence yes there's bad pr but their games are so powerful that they'll just keep on making money yep it's the advantage of being as you quite rightly put it one of the biggest companies in the world (laughs) um especially and especially in the games industry um i mean they've made several kind of shows of attempting like they look well attempting to look like they're doing something about it so jay allen brack the ceo of um blizzard has stepped down and been replaced by two other people within blizzard which Mm -hmm. is bad because the the culture's already there replacing with two other people isn't going to make any difference um i'm glad jay allen brack's gone because he's a mealy-mouthed shithead and all he ever did was lackluster poor apologies for shit that blizzard did but still this is very clearly a scapegoat but also are they gonna pull a put in you know like he he's officially gone but he'll be a i don't know like a silent partner or shareholder or something you know keep on making money oh he'll probably still make money um god i I can't remember i'm I'm sure there'll still be some sort of benefits or bonuses that he'll get oh yeah almost certainly um i think it is worth pointing out though that while while the two that they've put in charge were already employed at blizzard they were both industry executives that have only been there for i think both of them have only been there less than two years and one came from xbox and i can't remember where the other one came from 
but they're not like they're not like people that have been in Blizzard for years and years and years, and so they're just they have less. I feel uh, corruption. <laughs> well, I would hope. Are they um, straight white American males? No, one of them is <laughs> one of them is female. It's a male and a female. Oh my god. Well, they can't do anything wrong if they've hired a female, right? That's that's good PR. Good PR. That's spin. what. That is sadly what a member of Activision Blizzard actually did, isn't it? Francis Townsend. Isn't that the name of the person? Francis Townsend. Yes, Francis Townsend. So. I didn't put this on the running order, but fuck it, I'm bringing this in. So Francis Townsend is the current head of compliance in Activision Blizzard and was previously Homeland Security Advisor for George Bush. <laughs> so nice. she's, she doesn't have the best track record of morality anyway, but she basically... Um, was the most vocally against this lawsuit. Um, To the point that even Bobby Kotick's response to Blizzard's response said that it was really not right. And Frances Townsend was one of those people. And she has actually been forced to step down as head of the company's women's network, which is fantastic, um, <laughs> based on her behaviour. Is because... she the one that was also something to do with George Bush's presidency? Yes, yes she okay. was... Yeah. Um... Or George W. Bush, sorry. Yeah, she was involved in Homeland Security. Um, and also she, she's, she's got a dodgy fucking track record anyway because she went on record as saying that she actually supports forms of torture. So she's not the best... <laughs> She's not a clean slate. She has not. Um, But she's still she's still unfortunately in the role that she has of head of compliance. Uh, But she's been forced to step down um, as uh, where is it? Executive sponsor of the Activision Blizzard King Women's Network, because essentially what she came out with was I'm a woman. This hasn't happened to me is what essentially she came out with as her statement. And just like, no shit, you're an executive. And also, you are formally tied to the government and also your head of compliance. You're in a position of fucking privilege, my dear. That's why this has not happened to you. It's Yeah. It, uh, this whole situation pisses me off beyond anything. I really can't tell from the tone of your voice. Oh, just... Oh, just burn it all down. Start again. Um... Yeah, so Francis Town and also Francis Townsend has now closed all her social media accounts. So good, fuck off, um, because obviously she she was a cunt online, and everyone was just like, "You're being a cunt," and anyone who's a cunt online generally can't accept being told that. So yeah, she's gone. Excellent, good work. Um, but to end it on a good, well, the Activision stuff anyway, on a good thing. There's now a union, kind of the ABK like a kind of collective of staff that are actually pushing for better fucking conditions in Activision Blizzard. Yes, please. More of this. I want more collectives and unions in the games industry. Great. Uh, great. That's Couldn't amazing. Fault, can't fault yeah. this. 
it's a shame it's taken this for it to happen. Yeah. Something of this magnitude, but well, it's just good. I've I've thought about trying to like create a union at P cube, you know, um, and I was like, we're so few that it would put a massive target on my back and anyone who would dream of joining. So I didn't push forward with it, but it's definitely like very much needed in this industry where it's so easy to like abuse younger staff. Even in like independently of sexual harassment, just like general mistreatment of of cheap labor and the way people are handled is a bit gross. Yep, yep, and and and, and the thing is though, like although the focus at the moment is on Activision Blizzard because they're the most recent thing to have done this, it's exactly as you say, and Luke, this is everywhere. This is an industry issue, not just isolated within certain companies yep and yeah and not... it's it's not going to stop until the employees have the power to push back against it unfortunately mm. and the uk isn't like petite no offense but <laughs> uh, not very keen on on those sort of labor laws um and and doing stuff to protect its workers so it's really difficult you know as an employee to, to go like hey i'm just gonna put my job in jeopardy for the sake of you know what is right sometimes because it doesn't always happen to you but you might want to help someone else yeah and also no offense taken this country's a shit hole um <laughs> but like the, the whole this industry being shit um in the wake of the activism blizzard um issue there's also been finally exposed issues that were happening in Fulbright, an indie developer. Um, so it's not just AAA, uh, which we suspected would, would be the case, but it's good to see... Uh, well, not good at all. Well, it's not it's, good to see that it's at all. all. It's not good to see it. Um, I know what I was trying to say, it just wasn't that. Um, it's it's uh, telling, and also it's vindicating somewhat that the... That the, those of us that have been just like this is a industry-wide issue have had such evidence just come out. But um, for those who haven't heard about this, uh, Steve Gaynor, um, the one of the uh, co-founders of Fulbright, um, so and was known for such honestly gems as Gone Home and Tacoma, um, has stepped down. Um, as creative lead on the next game from Fulbright, Open Roads, um, owing, well, following a sequence of allegations of mistreating employees, but especially mistreating because, of course, women. Um, and, like, it's all, it's all come out in the wash. There's been a lot of employees that have left Fulbright owing to his behaviour. Um, and... Um, the, the most the most harrowing figure is that um, 15, 15 employees have left the studio, and this is only an indie studio, so it doesn't have as many employees as, say, Activision Blizzard would have, but 15 have left since the development on Open Road started, of which 10 of those were women. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. Um, which is... Yeah, it's not good. And the annoying thing is, although... Although he has stepped down, from what I understand, he's still basically 
a head writer on the game. So although he's now no longer creative director or whatever his previous title was, he's still basically in charge of all writing for this game. But this is the thing, isn't it? And this is as a sort of like independent contractor now. But this is the thing, and this is what happened. This is what's happened with Activision Blizzard. This is what happened with Ubisoft, with Quantic Dream, with Warat Games. These people are being allowed to just step down. For one, and for two, they're stepping down, and they're not really taking any sort of hit for it at all. No, like J. Allen Brack is is a person, but. They'll find other work. They were the CEO of fucking Blizzard. Of course they'll find work. And also they were allowed to step down. Same here with Gaynor. He was allowed to step down rather than being fired for doing this to 15 employees. Well, no, hang on. That's... He... he didn't do this to 15 employees. 15 employees left. He probably did this to a lot more than 15 employees. Oh, okay. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's be realistic. Um it's and these and and just this just means they get away with it they continue to get away with it and it's so fucking frustrating well this is yeah it doesn't feel like they learn anything no and that that in fact came out in the fulbright news um the reason why the reason why steve gainer stepped down I use that term really fucking loosely, is because the steps that were being taken within the company to improve his interactions with the team were only yielding temporary results. Hmm. Yeah, it would be a case of he would do something. Things would get better for a few weeks and then they would just go back to where they were before. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, To end that, fuck fuck Activision Blizzard. And fuck Fulbright. But no, actually, no, don't fuck Fulbright. Fuck Steve Gaynor specifically. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you're right. That did get depressing, Anlo. So, (laughs) some positive bits to end. I'm so glad I sandwiched this. Um, So, there was an Annapurna broadcast, um, which was supposed, wasn't it part of the summer of games that um, Jeff Keighley completely forgot it was his thing that he was doing? Well, once he was no longer presenting anything, he had no interest in it. Yeah, which is why Summer of Games mm, was a bit of a lie, wasn't it, Jeff? Um, But Annapurna are still possibly one of the best publishers, indie publishers, in my opinion. Um, And they had a lot of games that they showed either new information of, new trailers of, or just announced in general, I believe, uh, during this broadcast. But is there any in particular that's you both would want to speak about? Well, I mean, I think we, we can't get away from, from not talking about Stray, right? Because how adorable does that look? I need it. Yeah. I need to play as a post-apocalyptic cat. I need it. F- fun story a... is that P-Cube, we actually tried to pitch for it, for Stray. Um, and they didn't get back to us. <laughs> they didn't even reply. But... It looks really good. I know. <laughs> Concept's um, just so good. It is. And like, um, I don't know whether um, you've both seen the new gameplay trailer that was during this broadcast. But like, yes, I did watch it. It looks, yeah. it looks so much more involved than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. 
it looks yeah it's probably fair to say it looks almost there's like metroidvania elements to it which appealed mm. you and metroid um i know i know but yeah stray looks amazing um and the fact you can interact with the world and they've considered that you are interacting with the world as a cat yeah so like you can like brush up against you can brush up against characters and purr and obviously the platforming is designed for a cat doing that platforming um it just looks really really good i'm this it, it, it was my favorite thing out of a very very strong broadcast um yeah and i need it and it's not out until next year if i remember right yeah i think so I think it was a 2022 thing. I have to say that obviously, like um, Stray was announced quite a while ago, and everybody talked about it. Oh, is it two, three, four years ago? Stray. It was quite a while ago that it was announced. And obviously, I'm not complaining. Like the game should take the time that it takes to come out, um, but. I just expected it to be really before that and it comes in and out of my consciousness now is like I'll probably want to buy it but there's a lot of stuff happening in the gaming world so I yeah I hope it's really good because obviously we don't want another cyberpunk situation of like years of hype and then nothing ready or properly ready I think we should be okay with something from Annapurna publishing yeah. at least because their games are generally like quite quite good self-contained units of gaming they don't often do like dlc or their games just release ready generally um which is why i love annapurna mm. so much um the only other game that like really struck me like in this was um the artful escape um, which was a kind of a very me game, just slightly over stylized, um, story driven. It was difficult to tell what the gameplay was. It seemed that the gameplay was platforming, but it did concentrate more on the story, which is ideal for me. I'm fine. I like a good story. Um, but otherwise, like every game in this thing looked great on some level or another, like Storyteller. The idea of yeah. making you're given you're given the prompt to what the story should be, and you have to put the elements into the storyboard to make the story that is telling you you need to do. Yeah, that, it looks like a really interesting approach to a sort of puzzle game, sort of putting together storyboards for a, for a plot that you you know based on a bunch of elements. I just clap. Yeah. It's just a really good broadcast, I thought. Good way to end the summer of games <laughs> that we all forgot about. It's interesting um, you say that because we were debating doing something for Neo um, with you know Jeff Keighley using his platform to make an announcement of some kind, and and then you've said, oh well, we haven't, you know. We've sort of forgotten about it, and he's forgotten about it. Um, and I'm, so I'm glad we didn't. I wasn't particularly 
keen on the idea, but it wasn't mine. So I'm just like relieved that we've been proven right, I guess. I think if you would, if, if, if with Neo, if you'd have got something to do with it in that opening ceremony for the Summer Games Fest, mm. it would have been, that would have been great. But the thing is, it was pegged as this big thing that was happening over the course of a month and then was immediately forgotten about the moment that broadcast finished. Not even um, the course of a month, apparently over the course of the whole summer. It's just... It, <laughs> summer Games Fest. It was like. just... It was just absurd the way that, like, and I, I think I said this at the time on the podcast, actually, that we did on Summer Games Fest, that I would have liked to see, rather than it being this essentially gratuitous circle jerk, which is what the fucking broadcast was, I would have liked them to have at least spent some time saying, okay, so this is going to happen on this day during this month, uh, during this, 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 like, summer long event, this will happen here, and just big it up as this actual thing that's happening over a period of time rather than essentially blowing your load in that first hour and then you know spending the the rest of summer cleaning the sheets like it's not that is a classy metaphor reuben you are welcome um i don't think he has the brand <laughs> power to do this stuff to be perfectly honest like i'm only vaguely aware of him um if you if you have a big enough, they probably got as you say the big load in the first hour because that's all they could scavenge from publishers and first parties. Not enough people give a crap about his stuff. No offense if anybody's listening, but um... <laughs> I, I I think we can safely assume if they're listening to this podcast, they share our thoughts for Jeff Keeley. <laughs> so don't worry. Um, but you're right. But also, I, I, you know. He's got to be careful because he needs to have enough announcements for the for the the game awards. Don't forget. But that's in he December. His, he can't blow his in. Yeah, he can't blow his entire load in summer though. He needs to save some back for December. Oh, the game awards annoys me so much. But we're going to get to that in a future episode um, when we cover the fucking game awards again. Um, so one last piece of like little news because I think I'm the only one who has anything really to say about this. Ariana Grande and Fortnite, the crossover that... Nobody wanted. Did they not, though? <laughs> I've seen I so mean, many... I've seen so many LGBTQ streamers Yeah, the gays, the gays really wanted this, unfortunately. So, yes, enjoy. Ariana Grande, you can both watch her concert and play as her which seems like a weird choice on her part given you know the tone the content of the game i mean yes that is true um i mean the skin i'm not particularly sold on it personally speaking um the concert however was an unexpected experience because like i play fortnite quite a lot as that is as is known now um but like the island or at least the creative zone of the island has a stage in it and that's what i expected i expected ariana doing a small performance on the stage in the creative zone but no it was like a full-on audio visual thing that you were playing at the same time so like you 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 go into you went into the game 
and then you were pulled into a rift and then you're playing like games surrounded by music and kind of colors and visual effects and stuff and then ariana just appears um with the big hammer thing and then there was a moment where she's walking up a a staircase and you're kind of going into portals around her around the staircase seeing her from all different angles like some weird mc escher fucking thing um but it was entirely like it was only 15 minutes but i i think just over 15 minutes but i really enjoyed it just because it was something really unique and unusual a unique interactive experience is that how you want to describe it ruben yeah um and if they were to do another one of these with another artist as long as i don't fucking hate them like ed sheeran or something i would do it i would (laughs) do it again can you can you imagine although saying that i did so Going back to the Ariana skin, I did see somebody that had posted a screenshot of it on Switch where it looked like it possibly hadn't loaded in properly. So it basically just looked like somebody had used the original like Tomb Raider engine from the PS1 to generate an Ariana Grande model. Oh, ouch. <laughs> it did not look good. I, like... I mean, the Switch version runs like shit anyway. Wow, that's not surprising, is it? Uh, sorry, I interrupted you, Adelaide. No, it's just I like from a someone who works in the industry, right? This is I don't particularly care about Fortnite or Ariana Grande. However, I think like this is really interesting, and it's probably given that events are gonna slowly come back, but people are probably not gonna rush into them. Um, I think this is probably gonna be the future of sort of interactive events. Uh, um, because they did those, what was it, EGX slash packs. Um, last year, they tried to do some digital events that were, as a publisher, reasonably expensive, and I'm not sure it was that successful, because I haven't heard about them being repeated this year. You know, like you go in a sort of digital room and you wait for a projection of something, and it's really dull. But this... This is amazing creatively and um, probably cost a lot of money. Um, but this, I don't know, it sounds like it was really well done. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Ariana Grande and I enjoyed it. Um, but like, if I remember correctly, I may be wrong, so don't quote me on this figure, but I think Ariana Grande was paid 20 million for this. Hmm. And she probably gets money out of skins sold and any song that's played. Oh yeah, she almost certainly gets probably gets a cut of the merch, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the sales and stuff as well. So it could well be a total that's a lot higher than twenty million at the end of the day. Good for her. Yeah, I'd say good for her. <laughs> um, and like I've, everyone seemed to enjoy that thing. I mean, it's the second one of these that Fortnite has done, the second concert. Um, so who knows and the thing is Fortnite's just getting crossover after crossover after crossover at this point it's a very very lucrative franchise on its own right Um, and they're getting like Rick and Morty as well in this current season like is quite a big crossover Superman as well the DC there's a lot of Marvel Marvel stuff a lot of DC stuff um Um, but all the, the Street merch. Fighter crossovers. Oh yeah, Street Fighter. 
It's just, I spent some time this week with my cousins who are seven, and technically they're too young to play Fortnite, but daddy plays Fortnite, so they play too. Um, and they have t-shirts, shorts, plastic, massive plastic Nerf guns, all branded Fortnite, and they like the dances, and they like, they buy the skins. Um, and I'm like, this is this is the epic strategy, right? They spend a whole lot of money up front, and they make profit. That you know they're planning ten years ahead, because they've reported that the Epic Game Store um, isn't making any profit until 2027. That's their plan. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm actually really impressed with their business model and their strategy overall. Just like they're not well, shy. I mean, the fact that they have they have the money now to spend that to 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 enact that strategy is. It kind of helps in their favor, I guess. Yeah, no, but they weren't shy on, you know, the all of the game uh, PC games that are currently Epic Game Store exclusives. Um, everybody's getting a big sack of money to go with it, and they're like, "Yeah, it doesn't matter. We'll, you know, we're building the user base, and and then we'll make money." And not everybody, obviously, can afford to do that. But I'm really impressed with, you know, the balls to do it. Yeah, and it's and it's clearly working out for them on some level because they they're still managing to spend the money so yeah fair play to them fair play to epic games in a lot of ways i mean also not in some ways but like in a lot of ways congrats to them um and to be honest if if like there there are countless like because obviously with the whole epic games versus apple lawsuit that happened a lot of the plans for fortnite came out because obviously they were all planned and all of that shit, shit came out in the wash. There's some excellent plans coming up, so bring it. Yeah. Honestly. Well, that'll give you something to to show in your stream upcoming streams, right? Well, I can I can just play it and get annoyed with it like I normally do in my streams. <laughs> um that turns out quite well for me normally. But that's all of the small news. At the very least. Uh, so I guess we should move on to everyone's favourite segment. <laughs> simply the Guest. You're Simply the Guest. Right, how are we doing this? <laughs> well, I'll basically just ask you a few questions. And you can give your answers. That's basically that. That's that, that's all there is to it. All right, let's um, do this. So let's start with your favorite game or game series. Well, um, anybody who knows me won't be surprised by this answer, but I think my favorite game is The Witcher Three, um, Always and Forever. Um, I can't say game series because I haven't played the other two because I tried um, the first one and it made me motion sick in about 12 minutes. But yeah, Witcher 3 is the shit and Thronebreaker, that goes with it. I've always been meaning to play The Witcher 3. (laughs) You will get a very different opinion on The Witcher 3 from me. I unfortunately, I really tried to like it. I really tried to like it. Just did not like it. <laughs> I tried. I really did. I forgive you. I just, I just <laughs> couldn't get into it. I'm sorry. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. It just wouldn't click with me, and I found found it just found it. There's like just too much going on. Yeah, I guess. And I found that's. I found the like the whole menu system and inventory management stuff really clunky, mm. which didn't help. And I just yeah, I wanted to like it. I really did because it would like it's kind of the thing that would be normally be quite up my street, but just for whatever reason. But also, you know. Uh, CD Projekt Red are dickheads, so... <laughs> yeah, that's that's a conversation in its own right. We've had that conversation many have, times yeah. on this podcast. It's like, yes. I've always thought, you know, considering how much I love The Witcher 3, I would love to work for CDPR, and then last year happened, and I was like, hmm, but do I, though? Do I? Quite glad I didn't do that. Well, it's not like there was an opening for me to actually join they are rarely looking for marketing staff they mostly look for developers or, or artists so wasn't going to be me but man it was such a come down but i at least you still got the witcher 3 exactly. that's still an isolated that that's still an object that exists yeah um mm-hmm. and i would I, I will give it a try at some point i guess um maybe um when i have fucking time um so long as you don't have to give money to cd project red to actually do it i'll buy right. it second hand or something yeah um, there you go. so and lou what's your favorite gaming memory well that's gonna sound really um odd because it's not a, a happy memory as such but uh on our old boss Garin's recommendation when I joined the industry, I tried Brothers Tale of Two Sons um, by Take Two. And um, no, wait, I can't remember what the studio is called, but you know them. They make everyone cry. And at the end of it, obviously it's really obsessing. I'm not going to spoil it, but I, I don't know. It was just like I spent a whole 10 minutes crying, um, like a proper, you know, meltdown. And I have to say that I'm. Like, I remember this really distinctly because so few, you know, a lot of games like Fortnite, no offense, Ruben, aren't in there for the emotional storytelling, right? (laughs) Um, You get a lot of different things depending on the genre you're playing. And I was baffled by how involved I was with this one, as well as, like, the gameplay mechanic of having to... um, dual play both characters on one controller was really cool so i would say the ending of brothers um is my favorite gaming memory another game i've not played i feel so (laughs) i feel so out of the loop this time (laughs) (laughs) no but i can definitely uh kind of mirror your thoughts on that because although we have already talked about how shitty Steve Gaynor and Fulbright at Fulbright was, I had very much the same impact from the end of Gone Home. Mm. Which, yeah, I guess from a not the same game, but certainly I can I can appreciate why you would have that memory of, yeah. of that game. <laughs> Oh, like, like I, I, I can definitely understand, like, um, a just a really good narrative, mm. just knocking you for six at the end, because yeah, once again, gun home. What remains of Edith Finch? 
Although, in all fairness, that game made me feel a myriad of emotions from the beginning to the end of it, um, including <coughs> extreme discomfort at one point. But yeah, um, another game for me to play once I have time. It's actually um, quite short, to be honest, so you wouldn't be committing to 50 hours at all. Noted. I'll take that on board. But just like warn Gavin beforehand so he can, you know, pat your head or something at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think, like, because I don't think we've watched any movies together or I, I've played any games that have made me upset yet. Well, this is a good good test. <laughs> yeah, true, true. <laughs> like, you'll just probably just walk out, oh, you fucking, like, crying at a game and just walk out. Nice. True love, everyone. Um, I know, true love. Um, so, Anlu, yes. what is your most anticipated game release? Well, I don't know if you're going to like my answer, to be honest, because I'm not someone who um, gets on the hype train very often, but or at all, actually, so I'm not, like, dying over this, but I am very much looking forward to Hogwarts Legacy <laughs> next year. <laughs> Grievan is going to have some thoughts about this one. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) No, no, we've had this discussion before, and quite honestly, like I know how much you love Harry Potter. Um, like you were the first person I ever met who loves that that world more than I did. Um. Well, st- still do to an extent. It's I, I, I have a very, very difficult fucking relationship with that series. Um, but yeah, I mean, I know that you're really excited about that. I... And I'm not <laughs> going to take that away from you. I'll give an alternative answer. Um, I think Project Athia Forspoken looks really go- good. Although I'm like vaguely biased since it's my company doing it. I have, But I have nothing to do with it. So it's not like I know anything. You're right, Athia does look very good. Well, no, it's now called Forspoken, isn't it? That's yeah, but it's, a, it's the... a shit name, so I decided to keep calling it... Keep calling it Project. Yeah, yeah. so it was better <laughs> I had, I, in all honesty, I had... Because I guess because it was announced very early and there's not... I'd kind of forgotten about it. But I, yeah, I was... I'm very excited about what that could be. But yeah. I imagine it's probably a good year or two away yet. Mm. Where it feels like it is based on what's been shown so far. Um, no comment. Oh, like I know some, I know <laughs> something, but I can't say. So no comment. I'm oh, sorry. I'm not. I'm not trying to get. No, no, I know, I know. But fine. then sometimes because I have this knowledge in my head of like just because I work there, right? I know shit, and yeah. then I read something on Twitter, and I'm like. Oh, but actually, oh wait, no, no, shut your mouth. I'm not allowed to yeah, say no, this. But, but like the... <laughs> I am going to get in trouble. <laughs> exactly, because I would, you know, be found in a ditch somewhere, um, I think. And and it's also like sometimes you forget that what you know is confidential because when you're at work talking to other people, everybody's in, in on it. So when you talk to other, like if I speak to Ruben, for me, he's industry. So it's a safe space to say things. And then on Twitter, I'm just like, nope. And and the, the old P-Cube Discord server where sometimes I see something about the game that I know something and I'm just like, you can't, you can't hint, you can't suggest Everything you could say might be inferred in a way that would betray information, so just don't say anything. <laughs> yeah, it's easier to say nothing at all than 
than even remotely hint at exactly, something. Exactly, no. yeah. Yeah, having worked in the P-Cube office and also the fact I've been in the games industry now for quite a while and I, I'm, I'm not doing too badly for myself now, I'd say. Um, I do have a lot of information in my head that I can't share all of it of, share all of it. And really, I should keep a spreadsheet for that shit. <laughs> because there, there, there's... So, because it's exactly like you say, Anlu, there's sometimes you you can't separate the information you know that's confidential from the information you know that's not. And it's so easy to slip. Hmm. And also, I suppose there, there will be a point where, where some of that information is no longer confidential. So you've got to then remember what was confidential, but isn't now confidential. Yeah. And it's and what is still confidential. Internally, we use code names that often are shorter than the game names. So I've got this, like, this reflex of talking about a game with the code name in my head. And then those are completely confidential and should never be shared with the public and it's really hard for me to like oh yeah forespoken uh, that one mm-hmm yep it yep that's totally how I think about it in my head um <laughs> just not the other name um so it's, it's a tricky balance to find and also that is also why whenever I speak with Anne Lou uh, privately in DMs or whatever, I will always make sure I clarify at least once, is this something I can talk about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with having journalist friends. There's like I, I know I I have knowledge of a few things uh, about Nexomon, for instance, at PCube that would have made for a really good article um with another journalist friend and he was like can I use this? Like, no, please, please don't. <laughs> but he was really like, oh my God, I've got all this info from you and I can't do anything with it. Because um, he could have sold me out, you know, lose a friend, gain notoriety as a journalist, but he decided not to. It's, it's, well, for that reason, you keep the right people around you, don't you? Yes. Um, so one last question then. Um What is your dream game crossover or collaboration? I want The Witcher with Assassin's Creed's archery mechanics. That's all I need in my life, and I'll be happy. <laughs> very basic. That's a, that's a very, that's a very a specific. Yes, yeah, very specific. <laughs> Um, I, I did a podcast with uh, a friend about like what would be your ideal game. So like, think about your favorite um, character, your favorite setting, your favorite storyline, and then what you know make your favorite game essentially from those elements. And mine was like Witcher, 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 Horizon Zero Dawn. So Witcher with bows. That's it. <laughs> Fair. You can't, can't really argue with that. Um, my, like minutely and decently improving a game just by changing one thing. Why not? I like it would be a big gameplay change for me in terms of like Horizon relies a lot on different types of um, weapons and arrows, but also a lot on your positioning and your equipment into in order to be detectable. So it would be like a big shift in how you play. But I love playing ranged because I'm a wuss. So. Um, 
yeah, that would be the big change. And then The Witcher is basically like one of my favorite universes, so I don't need to change that. I mean, in the DLC, they sell baguettes and camembert, so I cannot top that in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> why, why mess with perfection, right? Exactly. Well, my version of it, I know Mark doesn't agree, but... <laughs> Well, I don't think Mark. Although I can, I can agree with baguettes and calendar. No, that's true, and I can also fully agree with you on Horizon because I love that game mm. too. I need to finish that game. Um, so as a kind of closing thing for simply the guest, as we often do, um, and Lou, is there anything that you'd like to plug or promote or or anything like that to close? Oh, I, I hadn't prepared for this. <laughs> uh, no, not particularly, I guess, unless uh, someone wants to give me a job in Paris in gaming, that would be nice. Um, otherwise, uh, thank you for buying Square Enix products. I'm not sponsored by Square Enix to talk on this. So, yeah, no, I'm I'm good. I'm not trying to be too much of a personality because I think it's a very dangerous thing to do on Twitter these days. So thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> It's also I mean, I, I, I would love if our podcast had the reach to people in charge of like hiring in the games industry in Paris. <laughs> I would love this too. One day. Um, and also, you can argue the same for the, just being being a personality in the games industry is also dangerous, regardless. So, well, nobody's assaulted me yet. There's been some harassment, but I guess who like that's not specific to the games industry. That's just like. Do you know any woman who hasn't, you know, been catcalled or flirted with inappropriately at some point? So, mm. God, this society is shit. Yes, it's a sad indictment of the world. <laughs> so, as our close, then as our big topic. Um, although now I think about it, I I should have switched this with the Annapurna one. <laughs> um, <laughs> the PlayStation Indies whatever the fuck it was um because well it was a series of blog posts basically uh is my understanding uh where they just announced a bunch of indie games coming to the PlayStation platform although none of them were particularly new announcements they were they're all games that have previously been announced or released on other platforms but like the odd thing about this is that Sony didn't shout about it at all i did not hear about this until you mentioned it and I was like, okay, so what was that? <laughs> yeah, and I didn't know. I, I just happened to see an article about it. So uh, just to sort of recap, I guess, uh, Sony announced that A Short Hike, Oxenfree 2, Axiom Verge 2, Soul Crester, Witchwood, and Hades are all coming to the PlayStation platform over the next few months. And also Carrion. Oh, and Carrion. I've some, somehow missed Carrion from the list, but yes, also that. <laughs> it's it's odd that they would put so much of a focus on games we already knew about. Like, there was nothing new in here, was there? Yeah, I mean, I guess this is why this wasn't a big presentation, because it was, they, they, you know, it wasn't a huge set of announcements. So I guess that's why... It, ended up just being a few blog posts um but 
there were some surprises in there and some new information about these games. So, for example, uh, Axiom Verge 2, uh, it was announced that this actually takes place, the game takes place over two interconnected worlds, which is sort of new information. Um, so it, I guess it kind of has a sort of Zelda link to the past dark world mechanic where you can flip backwards and forwards between the two worlds. And I'm guessing to some extent things that you do in one will potentially impact the other and things, which is quite quite a, an interesting take on the whole uh, formula. When I heard that described, it reminded me of Time Spinner. I don't know whether you ever played Time Spinner, but you definitely, of all people, Mark, should have played Time Spinner. It doesn't ring a bell. I don't think I have. A Metroidvania set across different time zones. Okay. So you can like jump forwards and backwards in time and it has impact. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not an entirely... I mean, even, even Metroid Prime has done it. Metroid Prime 2 Echoes, you had the whole Dark World mechanic and things that you did in... in the dark world could affect the the normal world. So, but I'll be honest, Axiom Verge Two was the only thing that interested me out of this. I've not played the first Oxen Free, so I don't have any investment in the sequel. A short hike I'm a bit met on Soul Crester looks cool, but not my sort of game. Witchwood is Witchwood looks interesting actually, but not on the same level. And Hades, I've already got that on three every platforms, other console, I think. <laughs> Um, well, it's game. It's, it's it's Game Pass on Xbox, right? Yeah, it's on Game Pass on Xbox. And then you've bought Steam. it on PC on Steam, and you've bought it on Switch, right? So. Yes. Let's not get the Hades hype train started again. I I could not rave more about that game if I tried, and if I had an infinite amount of time. I know. I follow you on Twitter, Reuben. I I know. <laughs> I I was there. Uh, you were there at the at the dawn of my love for that fucking game. Like I don't um, I don't blame you for it. it that's just that was a lot of love. <laughs> mm. Well, it's just it is a very good game, like objectively so. Um, so I'm glad it's coming to PlayStation because that's essentially the last bastion. There's it's not it's not missing anything else there apart from Stadia and who gives a fuck about Stadia. Um, <laughs> Not um, even Google. Yeah, I'm. Su- I'm surprised, actually, a little bit that there hasn't been any additional content added to Hades. Well, there's enough. Have you finished it? No, I'm not saying. <laughs> but you know, I'm just surprised they haven't added another weapon or another kind of world as part of the journey or something. True, because like. Supergiant must be working on something. Hmm. Um, and Hades... Well, porting it to every other console in existence. <laughs> True. But Hades 1.0, when did that come out? The Switch version? That was a Switch version. So that was like, what, like, I don't know, May, June last year? Okay, so they may be working on DLC. It's been long enough. Maybe. And another weapon or so would be quite cool. That would really yeah. change things. Um, but yeah, like it seemed like it, it, the, the games which were there were good games. Mm. But it, it wasn't as it wasn't as polished and a kind of offering as the Annapurna one. Um, 
and with no new announcements it kind of there's there's a reason why it kind of fell a bit flat well if i could give my two cents on this i think like this is pretty much sony promising shit to um to smaller developers right they've got account managers for uh different tiers i guess of of people of, of studios um and so they've probably negotiated some sort of free support deal and that's why they've they've done that really um and if they haven't put any support behind it it's really just like here look we ticked the box um and this isn't like a big thing for them but i guess they didn't do a state of play at e3 so they they're waiting for the next big one and they're keeping people vaguely interested until then yeah i mean that's a point like there wasn't a state of play at e3 and and i know when the next one in is and and i need to shut my mouth <laughs> <laughs> before you say something yeah. you later yeah that would be very bad well at least we can confirm there is another state of play Damn it! people <laughs> i have played myself <laughs> Uh, uh, to be fair, that's like that, that. That's like saying it's going to rain at some point in the future. Like it's there will be a Nintendo Direct at some point in the I future. I know when that's yeah, it's, too. <laughs> it's such a it's such a vague call that like there's no one that like, we couldn't sell that information for a profit. No. Let's put it that way. Also, I hear Rockstar is probably working on GTA. Like how riveting is yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. Um, Square Enix is planning things with Final Fantasy as a series. <gasps> what? Like, Spoilers! Like, just, yeah. terrifying, just, just terrifyingly vague things that aren't actually going to mean anything <laughs> to anyone. Uh, but yet, games media or certain games media would latch onto it and turn it into a whole fucking thing. Because um, that's just how this industry works. Yeah. Um, but imagine if somebody listens to this podcast and latches onto that and goes, right, makes a big story about the fact that there is a state of play at some point we we're, we're not popular enough for that no. that would be the saddest thing though like games industry person confirms that there is a state of play at some point in the next few near future it's like wow nobody could have figured that out jesus no well oh wait hang on how we've just narrowed it down to near future now <laughs> yeah but what does that mean for you because it maybe doesn't mean the same thing for me true could be anything from like i don't know tomorrow up until like the end of the year or even a bit past that um but i think we've exhausted everything we can say about the playstation indies yes <laughs> um, which was that nobody cared yeah nobody cared not even sony um so <laughs> that's it for season two episode eight um I want to be the first, if I if I may, to thank you, Anlu, for joining us. It's been a yes, pleasure. thank you very much. Well, thank you for having me. You know, for thinking of me for your podcast. I'm very glad to have joined. I'm very glad to have had you on, especially like because you have a very different take on everything to what we would have. So it's it's always good to have different voices on, and especially a different voice who speaks so plainly as well. Yes, that's not always a good um, thing, but... <laughs> I'd say it's always a good thing, um, even if it does get you in hot water, as it often does. In At work, um, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, but 
yeah that's that's it everyone for season two episode eight uh we've got like one more guest host left to come for this season mm-hmm. so um look forward to that in about a weekend well just under two weeks let's call it that but yeah thank you so much for listening everyone and we'll see you in the next one thank you bye, bye.